Our passage today is indeed from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 40, the concluding 10, 11 verses, starting in verse 21. Hear the word of the Lord. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. And its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heaven like a curtains and spreads them out like a tent to live in. Who brings princes to naught, makes the rulers of the earth as nothing. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth. When he blows upon them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see. Who created these? He who brings out their host and numbers them. Calling them all by name because he is great in strength. Mighty in power. Not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. And my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exalted. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Lord, in this moment, as your scripture is read, proclaim it to us. Let us hear what you have prepared for us today. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Do you believe in miracles? I heard some uh uh-huhs. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, this is one of those cases where me being a scientist kind of gets in the way of me being a preacher. As a scientist, I have to admit, miracles are a tough one for me. Um, There's a very famous cartoon, a Sidney Harris cartoon, that almost every scientist has seen. Many of them have this cartoon in their office. It's a cartoon of two scientists and standing in front of a chalkboard. And there's all these equations on the left and on the right. And in the middle, there's this opening in the equations. And and one of the scientists is visiting the other scientist. He says, I need to ask you about this middle step where it says, then a miracle occurs. Have you seen this? This This is what it looks like. This is this cartoon. It says, I need you to be more explicit there in step two about this miracle thing. I could tell you that if I wrote a scientific paper or wrote equations on the board in my lab at Rice University and I had a miracle written down there, that would be the end of anybody taking me seriously as a scientist. I w- it would be the end of my career. I'd never get another paper published. But, you know, dismissing miracles doesn't dismiss mystery, does it? We scientists love mystery. 
It's the reason we have jobs. If we understood everything there was to understand, you wouldn't need scientists, right? It's the mystery that gives us our job. It's what we spend our time working on. The unknown, the mysterious, the big big questions. Why is this happening? What's going on? It doesn't make any sense to me. We love being confused. And it's because we know there has to be an answer. This thing happened. There has to be a reason. If we don't understand it, it's not because the laws of physics are broken. We know those are always right. We just don't understand how they apply in this situation. It's not a miracle. We just don't understand it well enough. And it's because of this mystery we get a chance to discover something new, a new law. For example, Einstein discovered the laws of relativity because he loved the mystery of some questions that were going on. And do you know, recently, just in the last decade or so, scientists have discovered perhaps the biggest mystery that has ever faced mankind. The biggest question, we do not understand what the universe is made out of. What a remarkable thing to say for a scientist. Without getting into the details, we have learned that of everything we see, everything we understand, everything our equations describe only explains about 5% of the universe. That means 95% of the universe is a mystery to us. We have no clue what it is. We have some things that we use to describe the mystery, but we don't understand it. But when we understood how much we didn't understand, that's a funny thing to say, We learned something else, though, about the consequences of it. We've learned that the universe is racing apart. The universe is accelerating into oblivion. The stars are dying. Our sun is dying. It's only about, it's about halfway through its life. In in another few billion years, the sun is going to swell up. It's going to swallow Mercury and Venus. The earth will be burned to a center. There'll be no more life on it. And then the sun will collapse into a glowing cinder to fade into nothingness for the rest of eternity. And the universe is doing something similar, blowing itself apart, expanding into infinity, getting dimmer and darker and colder towards nothing. It's a depressing thing to think about. It's where the universe is heading. And it's an amazing time to be a cosmologist because we don't understand how all this is going on. It's a tremendous mystery. And who knows, maybe one of the kids here today will be the next Einstein who figures this all out and explains to us what's going on. I'd love it. I hope I live long enough to see it myself. So that's how it'll end. But our our sermon series has been about how it was created. We've been talking about in the beginning, from the beginning of the the month and beginning of the year. And today we conclude this discussion about in the beginning, talking about creation. So we've looked at the creation of light, the creation of man, the creation of the church. In every case, we saw God's purpose in it. God had an intent, a reason for doing things the way he did. Light was an intentional intrusion into darkness. We humans were an intentional creation of beings that could be in relationship with God. The church was an intentional creation of disciples to share the good news in the world about Jesus Christ. And today we looked at this famous passage from Isaiah. Now Isaiah was a prophet who lived a long, long time ago in the 8th century BC in Judah, the southern kingdom, after the kingdom of Israel divided into two parts. And during... um, Isaiah's life, the northern kingdom, 
was conquered by the Assyrians. And throughout Isaiah's life, there was tremendous concern that this evil empire, the Assyrians, were going to come sweep in and wipe out Judah as well. Judah was tiny. It had no defenses. The only way it could survive was by making a deal. They would pay off the Assyrians, or they would ally with the Assyrians, or do a variety of political and financial things just to keep them away. Okay? And the book of Isaiah is a prophet reporting to the leadership. God's not happy with the way you're doing this. The best way to keep off the Assyrians is to trust me. Put your faith in me, God. I'll protect you. You make alliances. You trust your power. You trust your money. You're putting your faith in the wrong thing. You're in trouble if you keep going down this route. And the first 39 chapters of Isaiah tell this story about how the leaders won't listen to the prophet. Well, After Isaiah died, Judah did fall, not to the Assyrians, but a century or so later to the Babylonians. And the understanding that everybody had was Isaiah was right. We should have listened to God. We should have trusted in God. It's because we didn't trust in God that this happened to us. And God is punishing us through the Babylonians. We're getting what we deserved. It's our fault. We messed up. And they were exiled. The people in Judah lost everything. Their temple was destroyed. Their promised land was gone. Their universe was dying. Their lights were going out. They were headed into oblivion with no hope in Babylon. And then we get to today's passage, chapter 40. Everything changes in the book of Isaiah in chapter 40. This is, in fact, how it starts. You'll recognize this because this is a very common passage that is read at Christmas time in Advent. This is how chapter 40 begins. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Speak speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem. Cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she's received from the Lord double for all her sins. Good news is here. Hope is back. God hasn't left them. This is an incredible, surprising word. They can't hear it right. God is coming. This, we blew it. We got what we deserved. Our universe was over. You can't tell me now, is, is it really true God is here? There is still hope. The light is still on. It's unbelievable. Well, explaining this mystery, explaining this unexpected hope in the middle of the darkness is exactly what today's passage was all about. It says that the God who created everything is much bigger than the problems that they face. Let me read it to you again just a little bit. Maybe you'll hear it with new ears. Because they can't, get, they can't take it in. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is God who sits above the circle of the earth. And to him, all the inhabitants are like grasshoppers. He's the one who stretched the, hurt, the heavens out like a curtain. He spreads them like a tent. The princes are nothing. The nations are nothing. Scarcely are they planted and they're blown away. Don't you see God is so much bigger than this? And that's not all. 
The climax of the prophet's exhortation comes in the next chapter, chapter 41, a passage that you may have also heard of as he continues to remind them that God is bigger than what they were in. He says to them in this climax in chapter 41, But you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I, God, have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend, I took you from the ends of the earth, from the farthest corners. I called you. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you. I have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. For people who have lost in darkness and oblivion, do you not understand what a word of hope this is? An incredible word that it's not over. It's not over. I haven't been abandoned. And it turned out to be exactly as the prophet said. Do you know, within a few years after that writing, the Babylonian Empire itself was conquered. The Persians came in. They liberated the Jews. They allowed them to go home. If you want to read the story, read Ezra and Nehemiah. In our Bible, it tells about what happened when they got to go back home. The prophecy came true. There was light at the end of the tunnel. God had not forgotten his people, even when they were in exile. It was a miracle. God has not forgotten us either. Not only did God create the universe... He created something even more miraculous, even more mysterious, even more glorious. I wonder if you've ever even conceived of the thought I'm about to share with you. Among the things that God created, God created hope. And if it feels like your universe is headed towards the same fate as the universe... This is unbelievable, miraculous news. God did not create everything and then just leave us to our own, as most theists will will tell you. The universe is not a heartless, hopeless series of laws of nature dooming all life to oblivion and darkness, as atheists will tell you. God is still with us right now. We call it Emmanuel. We call him Jesus Christ. It is the reason we Christians gather, because we have hope. Hope rooted in the cross that is always the center of worship for us at every church. The cross is the reason we're here. The cross is the greatest sign of the hope that we have. We are not alone. God created hope. So I have to ask, have you ever felt like your personal universe was dying? Felt like God was not paying attention to your circumstances or didn't care. Thought that it's going to take a miracle to get out of this situation that I find myself in. I have to admit that I have felt that myself. Especially this last question. A miracle to get out of this. In the last years that Patricia and I were in Alabama, we saw things changing for my job in the Army. We came to realize our time in our favorite place, our universe, was coming to an end. We didn't want to leave. 
We had friends. We get, my parents are still there, very involved in the church. And we saw that there was, the door was closing to us. There was no path for staying. And the only way out was for either for me to retire or for the Army to reassign me to places we didn't want to go, Washington, D.C. Yikes. And then COVID hit, and we were just stuck. And we felt day after day we were sinking into an abyss. And I have to tell you, we experienced a miracle. In fact, several miracles. The first miracle was the biggest surprise of all to us. Because of all these delays, because of all this anxiety, of all this frustration that we were just stuck, our prayers miraculously changed from, Lord, don't make us leave, to, Lord, when will we leave? The lesson for us was that the, de- the de- delay that was driving us crazy actually prepared us to want to go to the place the Lord was going to send us next. The second miracle we had was that we were given the option of going somewhere other than Washington, D.C. We had the chance to come here to Houston. That was completely unexpected. It's scary to us, too. I mean, this is a big city. We're not big city people. and We like Texas. Our daughter and grandkids and all were, were not too far away. And I've been working with people at Rice, so it was a known. But the lesson that we learned from that miracle was that by being patient and relying on God, a better option came than we would have ever come up with on our own. And then the third miracle was the timing of our actual departure. As I've told you before, I was serving as an associate in one of the largest United Methodist churches in Alabama. And while I was serving there, a crisis arose in our church, and both our senior pastor and our senior associate pastor left within a month. This was a big enough church that we had eight pastors. We were down to six. But of those six, two were retired. One was a young woman who was having some crises of her own, unfortunately, at the same time. One was a part-time local pastor whose focus was entirely on special ministries for people with special needs. And then there was me, this army guy, who was there part-time and teaching Sunday school. So I unexpectedly, in the end of my time in Alabama, when I thought I was being relocated to Texas and going to be giving up the ministry, found myself spending double or triple the amount of time at church that I had been ever before, preaching every Sunday, helping run a big church. I'd never thought I was going to do anything like that before. And I thought, why in the world am I doing all this stuff if all that's about to be turned off and I'm about to be shipped to Texas? Well, I guess you know the lesson that came from that. That was training for me. Unexpected. And do you know, the very week my orders finally came in from the Army to ship me to Texas is the week the new senior pastor was appointed to my old church. Miracles, they do happen, and they can happen for you. Believe it or not, not, God did not just create you. He created hope for each one of you. It's the reason you're here, not just to be alive, but to have hope through him. If you feel you're in a dark place and God has forgotten about you, take heart. He hasn't. In fact, he's doing something mysterious in your midst, Something you may not see now, but you will understand later. 
His light is still shining. Just as it happened for Patricia and me, just as it happened for the Jews in exile when they were in Babylon, your time in the wilderness is a season that will season you for what comes next. Your time in the wilderness is a season that will season you for what comes next. Your universe is not dying. This time is not forever. This time, in fact, is for you to make you hunger for him, to train you to be obedient when he calls, to give you joy when the door opens and light finally floods into your darkness. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Those who wait for the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not be faint. So do not fear. God is with you. Do not be dismayed. For I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, sometimes we just can't take it in. That a God who is as powerful as you are, that could create everything that ever has been and is today, is even aware of our existence. It's amazing. It's, un, it's unfathomable. We, we, can't, we can't process it. And when we add to that that you didn't just create it as, us as part of something you did a long time ago, but that you are here with us right now and that you love us and that you are guiding us and that you have plans for us and you have dreams for us and that we can have hope in you that wherever we are, you have not abandoned us, but you are with us. It is staggering, Lord. Too often we confess we have given up on that. We've given up on hope. We thought it's not possible. This is bigger than you. Or we can't wait for you to act. We take things into our own hands. We just mess them up. It's just so inconceivable for us, Lord, that there is hope in you. Let us simply lay our lives at your feet, trusting in that promise, that promise that has been made possible and has been proven to us through Jesus Christ, through his sacrifice for our behalf. Our sins are forgiven. Our life will not end when we end our lives here on earth. We will always be in communion with you. It's amazing, Lord. It is hope beyond our expectation. It is, it is grace. Lord, hear us now as we pray silently about our own needs for hope in our life, that we confess where we have fallen short, that you intercede and offer hope to others, perhaps through us. Lord, hear now our silent prayers.